Welcome back, everybody, to the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And uh, before I get started, I just wanted to say, if you do like what we're doing over here, do me a favor and give me a couple of stars. I'm starting to notice a lot more interaction in the data. I haven't looked at it much, but I'm trying to look at it. So if you're enjoying what we're doing over here, please give it a rating. I greatly appreciate it. But now on to the main event. Today, we have a dear friend who we go back a couple of years now doing some fun stuff with whiskey, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my dear friend, Trevor Bowles. Trev, how are you, sir? I'm doing incredible. Doing incredible. Mr. Rolex Whiskey, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to hear your voice and uh, be part of whatever you're doing. Hey, look forward to seeing you more in person. I'm still probably the number one wax dipper at Makers. I hope at least you can pretend <laughs> I am for the, sh- the making of the show. It's a it's a great highlight reel on Instagram every time I post it. You know, we dip, we dip, we dip, and that's what we do. Trev, you want to introduce yourself to the you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Give them a, a a quick little snapshot into who you are, pretty please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, my name is uh, Trevor Bowles. I am the manager for VIP Experience and Trade Engagement here at the Makers Mark Distillery. Uh, we we love our big long fancy titles. Hey, good business cards. Trev, tell me, you personally, when did the whiskey journey start? Like, what are your first memories of whiskey? And trust me, none of it in general in the past has been like, wow, I really sipped and savored on it, and it was absolutely delicious. It's normally like, hey, I was young, dumb, and having fun. Hey, you might be different, but what would your first memories be of whiskey? Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a good question. I think earliest earliest memories was that my my dad was always a big uh, SoCo drinker, and we we might start arguments of whether that's that's whiskey or not. Um, yeah, I mean, in my when I used to run restaurants and bars, it was on the whiskey list, but so was yeah. Fireball. So I, don't know, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, so I I would say that was probably my my earliest, and then um, you know I I started working at restaurants when I was thirteen years old eventually ended up at a working for consortium holdings a restaurant group in in san diego california at a great spot called neighborhood and neighborhood was known for its its burgers um and then also for its amazing beer selection but it had a pretty phenomenal whiskey and especially a bourbon collection as well and and this way uh, hold, i'm I was, gonna hold you there for one second when you say it had a pretty nominal whiskey what did that look like and what year are we talking yeah, great question. So 2010. Oh. Um, and yeah, 2010. So nobody, and- so just, just where 2010 resonates is like, no one really cared about whiskey. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. What did that look like? What did the whiskey list look like that they had in 2010? Well, I mean, so that was the crazy thing is that we, we made our own version fireball that we called balls deep um, and that we put on, on tap. And that was probably our number one selling whiskey. And in the base of that, I, I, you know, I, are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yes. 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 We're free. I shit you not. The base for this was, was Buffalo trace because Buffalo trace was our well. So we would take Buffalo trace. We'd pull it. We'd pour it into a, a corny keg. We'd add some cinnamon, some sweetener to it. But on the back bar, it was the first time that I'd ever tried Pappy. We had Pappy 23 back there. You know that, and how much do you remember how much you were charging for that back in 2010? I want to say it was like 60 bucks, and people were always yeah, like, I mean, Oh, come on, 
Yeah, you remember that? Remember those things? I mean, I remember like you know, I, in my in my restaurant nightclub, it was Johnny Walker Blue, and they'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here! Eighty five dollars yeah. a pour? No, oh, fuck! You can buy a whole dinner for like three people." And you're like, "Dude, I I don't make like that's just the price, bro." Like, you know, take it or leave. Yeah. <laughs> and so sixty and bucks was- a pour of Pappy Twenty Three, and it was probably being enjoyed by a lot of the people that worked there. I would imagine because they're like, "Dude, oh. like it's just sitting there." <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was enjoyed by us and it was, it was a, it was a weird time. The owner came to me and was like, Hey, we got this great whiskey selection. You seem like you're getting into it. The staff really likes it. We need to literally. Get... Yeah. Yeah. We, we were, we were getting into it. And so I was looking for a book that would help train the staff. And we did this thing where, Hey, you would come in and you would read part of a chapter. And then if you did, I would give you a pour of something on the back bar. I bought tasting whiskey. And I think it's still one of the best whiskey books ever written. And we would go through and just kind of flip through and you would, you would check that out and we'd read something. We'd pick out a specific like bourbon. We had decent scotch as well. And we'd pull one of those out. And I remember, I want to say it was my first time trying Eagle Rare where I was just like, Ooh, okay. 15 minutes by a CA 73 North. Okay. And I was just like, man, that's, that's fantastic. And that's kind of really where my my whiskey journey started was kind of just having an appreciation for it. But you were, but you, but you, you call that American whiskey, you know, with Eagle and and Pappy. So you weren't Scotch wasn't your jam. Scotch was wasn't like, my hey, jam. I'm gonna drink American whiskey. Yeah, Scotch wasn't my jam until later. So fast forward, I moved to San Francisco. I get this uh, great opportunity to to help open a beer bar up there. Work with some buddies, and you know, was able to be part of a barbecue restaurant. And then I get a call to come back to San Diego, open another restaurant back in San Diego. So I come back um, after a couple of years being a general manager at a restaurant that's called Soda and Swine. I and they oh, I get, and, and Soda and Swine didn't they? They did one in Liberty Station, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So I was the general manager yep. at the one in Liberty Station. Yep. And then but this so, is where so kinda... just, to, just to stop you for one second. So 2010, you've got you you've already like in your brain, you're already embracing whiskey education. You're re- you're having this the team read a bit, half a chapter, you're opening up bottles, you're trying different stuff. So so your brain is now going like, hey, whiskey's kind of cool, it's different. We'll we'll, we'll make kinda... balls deep, we'll sell balls deep and make millions. <laughs> But like, hey, you know, like there could be some uh, me personally as Trevor, like I kind of like I, 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 there might be something here. Never like, hey, it's going to be my future. But like, hey, this is kind of cool. It's, you know, because for me, when I started drinking, it was like, you know, I, I'm going to use a stupid word, but like you felt sophisticated. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Know, like, but you're, but you're, you know, you're tasting that. Yeah. You were cultured. You were cultured. Like you didn't walk in and order the balls deep. You're like, uh, I'll take a Pappy 15. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I already drank Fireball in the car. We're pretty liquided up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now, so okay. So so your brain is now like, and whiskey, by the way, still like, there's not many people walking into any bar in 2010 to 2015. That's like, God, I wish you had a bigger whiskey list. They're like, hey, this Nobody. is kind of cool. Whatever, whatever you have, I'll drink. Yeah. yeah. And San and- Francisco did have a little bit of elevation. I felt like the steakhouses there, but I felt like steakhouses always had whiskey because like, that's what you had whiskey wine at a steakhouse. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Sorry. Go back to soda and swine now. Sorry. No, no worries. So, uh, soda and swine, um, 
we got a we got a we got a sizable back bar. I would say back bar we probably almost had about five hundred bottles. Bourbon was probably our lowest collection. And okay, but, give me a, okay. Stop. I got to stop you again because this is all enlightening. Like of the five hundred bottles, you quantified how many bourbon bottles? Maybe ten. And how much rum, tequila, vodka? I think we had. We had we had two vodkas. We might have had like twenty mezcals, <laughs> thirty rums, over a hundred gins. Oh God, yes, that was the gin stage. I only yeah, had man. like we we only stuck to like whoever was paying us money. By the way, so it was literally like Bombay <laughs> Sapphire. Like we had two versions. You know, you could have the blue or the green. That was it. <laughs> Like that was it. But rums, fuck, everyone was throwing money at us. We're like, oh, we can do a mojito with nine million different rums. Okay, so you so you got ten bourbons out of five hundred, but that's a pretty big bar with five hundred bottles. Oh yeah. I mean I mean it just floor to ceiling, beautiful back bar. Um it was a it was a corner bar, so it just had like angles on both sides. And uh, I mean that place was a blast. And I worked a lot with our with our Beam Centauri rep at the time. Mm-hmm. As someone that works for makers now, I look back on this moment and think it was funny, but this rep comes in and says, Hey, makers Mark is coming out with a cask strength and we want to do the release party here. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Makers Mark. And I was like, that isn't that like commodity bourbon? Like, isn't that just dipped in wax and nobody cares about it? What you'll hear from the guys who were drinking in the eighties, that was the fancy whiskey. That was the, fa- Yeah. That that was the blue label of, of American whiskey with Maker's Mark. Ooh, yeah, you it, felt fancy, you ordered Maker's Mark. Sorry, right. so 2015, you're like, come on, isn't this a commodity? But back in the day, it was like the premiere, you know, yeah. locally. And and so we we never we never carried Maker's, and I was you know I was in I was in the stage of my career where I was either like full hipster rocking like the Carhartt beanie, or I was in like bow tie and suspenders, and. Yeah. And just was like, nah, we're not, we're not doing that. And the guy, he goes, he goes, okay. He's like, I want you to pull out your four favorite bourbons and then let's do a blind tasting. And if you blindly choose Maker's Mark cast drinks, you have to host the event here. No, fucking okay. And I was like, oh, done. I was like, no way I'm going to be able to. So I pulled. Like, I've, been reading um, a, I've been reading half a chapter a day now for five years. I know all my whiskeys. I've been enjoying yeah, the back like, bar at all my restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no problem. So I pulled out Michter's, which I was a huge yep. fan of. Pulled out Eagle Rare, which was like the classic for me. We did Henry McKenna, 10 year. Pulled out one other one too, but those were the ones that come to mind. I was like, these are definitely the best. We go through, we do the blind tasting and Blindly, I chose Maker's Mark Cast Strength as the best bourbon. <laughs> and so, which this is, is years. like you just said, kind of ironic where you work now. Very ironic where I work, and you know, and I, I, I give, uh, I give shit to the rep that came in. I was like, "Hey, man, this changed the trajectory, like the trajectory of my life and my career. Like, did I actually choose Maker's Mark Cast Strength?" And he's like, hundred percent." So, so we host wow. the event. And it's great. And I get to meet some of the other people, the amazing people who work for Makers and Beam Centauri. I, I transition a little bit and I get really passionate about more like production process. I get an opportunity to work for a small local distillery in San Diego. That distillery gets picked up by a distributor. I start working for the distributor. And these are small, 
craft brands that no one has really ever heard of. And all you got to do is like dive in and learn about the story and the process and what makes these small brands different. And, and that's, and then this is where I start falling in love with, with scotch. Cause we had a bunch of independent bottlers. I mean, we were running around with 20 year Akatushin for like 89 bucks <laughs> and it was hard for us to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody and, wanted it again. And no, that's not that long ago. Like I tell people no. when, on this, on this podcast, like we're not talking about like the 1700s dudes. We're talking about less than 10 years ago. Yeah. It, and, <laughs> and so love that. And I, I love being able to like, you know, you had to know your stuff working for these small brands, right? That's how that was going to set you apart yeah. um, from some of the bigger brands. The, edu- the education, because you're like, what makes this stand out? Do they, they do this. No way. I had no idea. I get slowly get opportunities to present some single malt scotches and some independent bottlers at a place called seven grand in San Diego, where they would host whiskey societies. And yeah. I would do like the slow night. They would do them on Wednesday nights and Friday nights. And I would do it on the Wednesday and you wouldn't get a lot of people in. And I'd bring my small independent bottle collection and, and talk about it. And there wouldn't be a lot of people. And all of a sudden more and more people started coming to when I would do presentations at seven grand and always a huge shout out to, to that team. Um, yeah. I mean, they're just, they're incredible people and, and my career wouldn't be what it is unless they gave me kind of a stage to talk about whiskey. One of the the members that was a, a GM there, he got a chance to interview for Maker's Mark, and they didn't think that he was the right fit. And they asked him, they said, hey, do you know anybody in the industry that might be a better fit for this position? And he goes, I think you should talk to my buddy, Trevor. And so I get the opportunity to interview for Maker's Mark, and I had six interviews over almost seven months. Wow. And, the, and you go and, back and forth to, to Kentucky? No, so a lot of these were all, this was all, um, yeah, so a lot of these were in person, a lot of these were over the call. Um, I had to go to San Francisco for one of the meetings where they flew out people to be able to meet multiple people for the West Coast. And I went from being like a pretentious douchebag that was like, I'm never going to carry Maker's Mark at my bar to where almost five years. Sophisticated, all right, not pretentious, sophisticated. (laughs) (laughs) And to the point where I was practically begging for a job. And saying, after reading about the craft credentials and the culture and history of makers, I was like, this is the brand. This is the this is where I want to spend the rest of my career. And I was fortunate about five years ago, I, I got hired as a Maker's Mark diplomat and covered um, San Diego and, and also Arizona. And it was just great. Well, it's crazy to me because on Maker's Mark, like, really, if it wasn't for, you know, you and Johnny, my education would not have been there, but it really sold me on it was the husband and wife and the, and the making of the bread. Oh, totally. Like, like you can't talk, you can't discount the passion there. Like that's it. I'm in. What you yeah, guys doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause like, I was also like, when I read bars and restaurants, I'm like, makers was, was in the old fashioned. Cause you could charge right. more. Yep. You know, it was the fancy old fashioned, not using bullets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was $2 more. Everybody was happy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's amazing to go full circle. And, and then, um, you know, a few months ago, I, I got an opportunity to move to Kentucky and now I'm full-time here at the distillery. It's been kind of a dream come true. But yeah, if, if that rep didn't come in and challenge me, I, I wouldn't be living in Kentucky and I wouldn't have one of the best jobs well, that, it's, you know, it's, I, it's, I could have ever dreamed been, of. I mean, you're probably coming close on your one year because we were in town. Remember when you had just pulled up? 
Yeah, that was, that was that was crazy. Me and <laughs> My Steven first night, came I in drove to do in. the we came to do the barrel pick, and we had Bill with us. For, you know, Bill Beam. You know, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. You're coming up on one year pretty soon. Yeah, no, and it's been it's it's been incredible to be here, to be part of the process, to be surrounded by the people. We have such an amazing culture here on campus. And tell me something for you personally and your whiskey journey. Has your palate continued to kind of, I mean, I use a silly word, like yearn to try more and learn more? Are you continually, are you still the guy from 2010 with the book at the half chapter? Because I feel like you are, but I, you know, yeah. that, I'll let you yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I absolutely am. Um, I love being able to try some of the new stuff. And I think there's a lot of stuff that's that's coming out that's like not, not great. Um, that's definitely yes. a little bit of a reach. And one thing I'll say about, you know, Kentucky that's been great and where I continue to try stuff is that the liquor stores out here. So you look at like Liquor Barn uh, and Total Wine where like they have bars inside and like tasting rooms inside of their stores where you can get like a half pour for like four bucks. And so you can just come in and try all this new and great stuff um, or just try things before you buy it. And that's been really cool to be here. And also just the education is mm-hmm. wild that you can go down the street. Steve Nally, former master distiller at Maker's Mark is now at Bardstown Bourbon. And, mm-hmm. you know, I drive past Bardstown Bourbon on my way home. And sometimes I'll stop in, sat at the bar and Steve Nally was like, Oh, hey, man. Uh, cool Maker's Mark shirt. He's like, you so, I, so I go back. So with Steve, five years ago, I think it's five years now, when they opened Bardstown, where really it was like they were bringing in foreign exchange students. They had done two collaborations. One was with Copper Kings, and I forget the other one. And I spent like two hours with Steve downstairs, like below surface level. There's a lab downstairs just tasting stuff that he was just messing around with, with collaborations. Like, and what they've done is, is mind blowing, you know, like yeah. where they are now with everything that they do and everything, you know, like, do you still personally geek out on, and I'm using that as a weird phrase, but do you still like, as far as the production and when you go in there, like getting to know how they make it? Cause like that to me is always exciting when I visit distilleries, like take me behind the, take me behind the curtain. I want to see what's going on there. Yeah. And I think even more so, uh, part of my, um, part of my career journey is that when I moved out here, I'm also now enrolled at university of Kentucky. Um, and I'm going through their distillation courses. So I'm getting my certificate in, which would essentially be like an undergrad in distillation. So I'm, I'm doing that and I'm learning very, very like dry, but interesting technical. And then now when I'm going to these distilleries, I, I'm not always just asking like, what's your mash bill? What's your yeast strain? But it's more about like how process equals flavor and mm-hmm. understanding what levers to pull that are a little bit different than maybe the normal ones that you would think about. And it's been great to get the technical side, but then to all of a sudden like build the relationships um, and try some different things has been, has been phenomenal. Well, I mean, how exciting, dude. I mean, honestly, like, you know, it's like Disneyland for me when I come to Kentucky because there's just so much to do in so little time. So the fact that you live there, you can like pace yourself. That's pretty darn cool. And that's a that's a thing I had to learn, man, is my I think my first two months here and it was like in November and December. So it's getting cold. So you want to drink a little bit more. You're trying to warm up. And I'm like, hey, I don't I don't need to do a a year's research uh, this weekend. I 
I live here now. I can I can pace this out. Um, but the community in Kentucky has been um, the the bourbon community is so so welcoming. All the different reps that are in the area have just been yeah incredibly warm and welcoming, and the hospitality is has been incredible. And for you, and for you personally on your whiskey journey, obviously things have changed in the last decade. Yeah. Are you seeing? Are you seeing? Like me personally, I you know I'm definitely I'm going in, in Scotch. I'm going more towards independent bottlers because I feel like they did like a time capsule. You oh yeah, a past yeah. a past era, um, and and it's like that Ashantashan you were talking about. Or like nobody knows about it. Nobody, but for me, it's like oh my god, like that's eighty nine dollars. Do you understand like what went into that whiskey? And like yeah. number one, it's a great deal, so you got to open it. You know, like that's you know, like I was telling people the other day, like. As far as my whiskey investment, it's really hard right now. I mean, everyone and their mother are so-called investors, and I'm throwing up inverted commas in the air. But, like, I'm like, I'll just go on a drinking stage right now and really, like, go dig deep at these auctions and buy these old independent bottlers that nobody gives a shit about, unfortunately. Yet I know are is amazing liquid in there because, like, an independent bottler bought from an established distillery. They didn't make it themselves. They just right. added value to it, but they had great bones to work with. Now, I haven't, I kind of like the this new-ish trend towards bourbon blending because I feel like that's kind of, you, you, you can get a lot of history in a bottle. You might not be able to get all of it, but you can get different parts of it. Um, I've seen a com- couple of companies do that pretty good. What's your feeling on bourbon blending? I think it's great. I, I think that it used to be a bad word, but you yes. know, here here at Makers, I mean, there is blending that that goes on, right? I mean, we we fill every single barrel at 110 proof, so that lower entry proof. We age our barrels on the top three floors for three years, and then we rotate our barrels by hand to the bottom floors. So we're not doing cross selection for our barrels. We're still pulling the certain amount of barrels that we think are going to give that flavor that's iconically Makers, and we always strive for that consistency. So there's blending that goes on here, but I think that very, very often urban distilleries didn't want to use it because that was like what Scotch used. So you never wanted to like say yes. it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no, that's the thing. <laughs> like, oh, someone else is doing it. No, we're unique. We don't do that. Exactly. Right. And and so, but I, I think that the blending is a is a huge thing. You know, you gotta give a, a shout out to people that are leaning into it. I think the bourbon pursuit guys, they're doing cool things and they're uh-huh. very open about hey, we're blenders. We're not distillers. Um, I think Barrel is another one that's just doing some great yep. things and leaning into saying, "Hey, we're we're blenders," and and it comes with great palate. And with that, um, I think the same thing with our senior manager of innovation and blending, Beth Muckter, incredible palate and everything that she's doing. You know, with our innovation team to make sure that there's that level of consistency. I think you can blend a couple of things, and you're like, "Oh, that ended up tasting pretty cool. Let's go ahead and release that." But I think to blend with the goal in mind of consistency is sometimes even more difficult. Oh my God, for sure. And, and to kind of ignore the financial side of it, like, Hey dude, I'm sorry. Financially, the yield is not going to be what you want. Totally. Like we're just, yeah. not, we're not going to let the products suffer. You know, like, you know, I, I remember I ran one restaurant where everything was, you know, all the, everything was measured out. It was all food costs. And then it came a, a, a point where, you know, everything was going up. And and people weren't coming out as much. So what they did was they started removing ounces from the meal 
thinking nobody would notice, but everybody noticed. Oh, I'm yeah. like, don't do that. You know, like, don't like that is not the same size as the same thing that they had a month ago. They know that and they're not going to fucking pay more for it. Right. You got to think that's, yeah. you know, and I, and I think that's a double edged sword in this world because, you know, whiskey is going to hit something like 61 billion in 21 or 93 billion in 2027 or something. So the demand is incredibly high. So the temptation to quite possibly put out a, a less an inferior product is very high because they're like, well, who cares? They want it. But I'm like, no, not a good attitude. Not a, yeah. I mean, I think, that, a good... I, I think there's a lot of confusion out there as well. I think there are 90 million whiskeys out there right now. So your back bar at, at soda of 500, you know, now would get really confusing. You're like, God, like how many bourbons am I going to carry? There's so many. So many, you know, yeah. and like, and then, and then, like, what's my quality control? Like, you know, like, what am I doing here? Am I, am I, no disrespect to these retailers, am I Walmart or Whole Foods? Like, what am I putting? All thousand? Well, I don't have space. Hey, the top 20. Oof, how do I decide that one? Right. You know, yeah. like, like, who's spending the marketing so the customer walks in and, and orders it? Because, like, you can't invest time in your bartender to explain this amazing whiskey list because he could rather make in 2023, he can make a $20 cocktail. Right. As opposed yeah. to spending like 10 minutes explaining to you the whiskey list. Like, I think you should do this because this one has a higher match bill of this and this. And you're like, no, dude, just did they do marketing? Did you walk in? Did you see it? Did you order it? Get out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like, take your $60 pour. Tip me 20% and I'm done with you in like 13 seconds. Oh, wait, you want to go through all these beautiful independent scotches? Yeah, I'm good, bro. Have a mixed cocktail. You'll be fine. Yeah. Have a gin. (laughs) (laughs) Have a gin and tonic. (laughs) Yeah, easy. I got nice ones. Trev, um, this is is normally one of the trickier questions because I know you've had a pretty fun experience in life so far with whiskey. Are there any one or two moments that like stand out to you where you like pinch me? I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. There's two that come to mind. So majority of the maker's mark barrels that are used, right? You can only use bourbon barrel once. We ship most of them to Scotland. I was I was fortunate enough to travel and work a couple of days at the Lafroy distillery. And wow. we're unloading empty maker's mark barrels to be filled with scotch. So I'm tasting the distillate off that's being filled as I'm like filling up a used maker's mark barrel that I've like seen. And I'm very intimate with this brand. And now I'm like adding something that's like PD and delicious. And there was just something special about like that full circle moment. And then enjoying a dram of 20 year Lafroy and on the shores. And, and, and that will always take me back to like that. Because piece. Trev, they'll use those makers for the, for the whiskey. I mean, for the, for the length of time that whiskey is barreled. Yes. Yeah. Like it, like you've taken something super intimate from Acres Mark. A lot, you know, listeners, you know, that's what happens with all the bourbon barrels. They get predominantly shipped to Scotland because whiskey, Scotch whiskey distillate, you know, doesn't really taste amazing coming straight out. It really doesn't. It, it's, it, and, and the, the sweetness, I would say, of a ex bourbon barrel just kind of mellows it out. But then the fact that the Scotch guys will go 10, 12, 15, 20, 30, 40 years in that barrel is pretty special. Because just think of all of that, like, I mean, it's a silly world, all that yumminess that's being created in the barrel 
but like it's a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, what was that twenty that twenty year old? I mean, and and especially like you know, like also once again, you're talking about a twenty twenty year old Lefroy, like that's also was barreled at a different moment in time where there wasn't yeah. demand. Even the barrels were different. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's such a cool journey and, and and cycle to be able to see to be able to see that. I would say the other one, you know, I'm I'm super close with my with my mom and and she's she's an idol yeah. for me. There was a a time when she came to visit me in Kentucky and we were walking around and uh, some other distillery workers were saying hi to me, some people in bottling and uh some people in the distillery we shared a dram together underneath the Chihuly hallway. It's a beautiful Chihuly hand-blown piece that's in one of our old houses. And it was just my mom and I, and we shared this dram. And she was like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And she's like, and I feel you're moving away from San Diego. You're moving away from your home, but you have, you have a home and you have a family here and I can see that. And that was almost like the, you know, I think if this could just be my insecurities, but I think when people that work in the restaurant industry or if you work in whiskey, you kind of feel like a bit of shame or maybe embarrassment that you didn't live up to becoming a doctor or a lawyer or maybe one of the more traditional paths. But I think no matter who you are and your parents can tell you to your face that they're really proud of you and what you're doing was a, was a special moment. And to be able to share a drama makers like in this beautiful hallway and just have that moment, well, will always be one of the most like just rich whiskey moments for me. Well, I mean, that's, that is definitely special. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too hung up that you didn't become a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, something <laughs> like that. You know, I, I think as a parent, you know, just seeing your child happy is the, is the happiest moment. Like you found something that you are passionate about. Holy shit. Like, that's awesome. Like you come to work every day, excited. Like you have to understand like that's not the average. Most people don't oh, yeah. have that luxury of coming to work every day and being excited about what they do. So for you to find that and to have a home, especially over there, it's a big deal. Yeah, I, f- I feel incredibly fortunate. You know, well, we did good. We chatted. <laughs> we had fun. Um, I appreciate you, my friend. I look forward to seeing you soon. Um, I'm trying to plan either November or December. I just found out I am doing a Scotland trip. Um, Fantastic. Okay. End, of, end of October. So it's just going to be like, like I fly, I leave San Diego on Friday night. I get home on Thursday. And oh my gosh. Four days, like nonstop of just like, we're just going to do it up to a whole nother level. And I'll sleep. I don't know when later, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, but this is super excited. Cause like for me, I just geek out and, and, and what I'm going to be doing over there. You know, I'm not disclosing yet, um, but like it's just going to go deep into history. Like I am literally going to go into a time machine for four days. Which is like that's like the, the whiskey geek in me is like, oh, my God, like, ah, you yeah, know, because I always joke on this podcast. I'm like, you know, I like drinking whiskey from guys who put it in the barrel where there were no cell phones or email or social media. Like they just came to work to do a job. And nobody even wanted the stuff that they were putting in the barrel. Like, I like drinking that stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's it's different. I mean, when I was at when I was at Lafroy, one of the guys was joking. And he's like, you know, it's always a surprise to be coming to work. And actually, people give us jobs because none of us actually drink this shit. He's like, thank God some of you do. 
And I was like, well, it, it was funny because, you know, on Friday, they used to joke when they got their paychecks, they would get like a plastic gallon full of it. And they're like, give it to somebody. Yeah. Like, totally. I don't want this. He's like, he's like, do you really think we didn't try it while we worked here? I'm like, I don't want it. Like, I'm good. This stuff tastes nasty. Yeah. But if you're like that, but you're passionate and you come to work and you do your job and you, you know, exactly. And it's before a time of cell phones and taking selfies with barrels. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, how things have changed. Trev, do you want, you want to plug any social media, anyone to follow you? You want to give out a a tag or anything? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So uh, my Instagram is uh, committed to makers. Pretty easy to follow committed to makers. It's the, it's the number two, um, and follow uh, just Makers Mark Socials in general. You know, we got some very exciting things coming out. I'm not sure when this is going to be posted, um, yep. but hopefully um, we just announced our release of Makers Mark Celeraged. It is going to be the the oldest thing that we've released to this uh, time, but it still has a, a taste vision. So we're still aging something extremely specially to taste and not just to a specific age, um, but it is a blend of 11 and 12 year Wow. That, was, um, that finished aging in our in our limestone cellar for an additional five to six years after it already hit the maturity of what we look for in our warehouses. The liquid is breathtaking. Um, so I can't wait for the world to try it. It's going to be look at, launching globally Look at Makers Mark stepping up and saying, hey, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go there because you have the liquid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and so, and you know, we're one of the, we're probably one of the only distilleries in the world um, these bourbon distilleries that has a limestone cellar. So, you know, we've always said that we can't age to a 10 to 12 and to 13 year because it becomes too bitter and astringent, at least for our taste vision. It's not that it's good or bad. Obviously, there's other bourbons that do that. Um, but then temperature can to be able to do it into a cellar where it gets like smoother, even like deeper and richer in this flavor. Um, The oxidization that happens over that much time where there's not all of a sudden extraction from the barrel, but more interaction is truly breathtaking. And it's, it's, it's gorgeous. liquid. can't wait for you to try it. Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing you. I feel like it's been too long. I've just been busy. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Again, Uh, please make sure take a time, give a couple of stars. We're going to keep having fun. Trev really dude. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love having you on. Love hanging out. I'll give you one anecdote. You know, I've spent a good amount of time with Trevor drinking large amounts of booze. um, (laughs) And we ended up at a place for was it chicken wings at night with the pool table until like two in the morning in Kentucky. And I was like, I I looked around that room at one point. I'm like, I'm going to go home. And these guys are champions. (laughs) They kept eating and playing pool. And I'm like, "I I can't do this. And that's Kentucky life. I highly, 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 highly recommend if you are going to Kentucky, go visit the Maker's Mark campus. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It, 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 you know, and just the customer service and the smiles and, of course, the whiskey. Like, just take a minute if you're there and go say hi. More than a minute. We, you need a couple of hours, but go have fun. Yeah, we, we'd love to host you out here. So, yeah. To anyone listening, for sure, definitely, uh, definitely come out and visit us. Shoot me a DM. Let me know when you're coming out. We'll see if we can do something special for you. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening again. And until next time, we'll see you on the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And I appreciate you all for listening. Bye now.